Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again to the Propreneur Podcast, everyone. Excited to have you here and grateful that you're listening in or watching in on our YouTube channel. Also grateful that you continue to spread the word about this podcast and sharing, sharing it with your friends, family, colleagues, because our goal really is to spread the best practices to help you grow your practice. Today is going to be a fun uh, opportunity for us to listen in, to hear from Amy. If you've looked at the show notes or looked at the title already, you know that my guest is Amy Demas, who is a rock star in her own right. And by the way, like if you want to talk patent stuff, which we won't because I have no idea about it, she's going to, she'll rock your world on it. Over 50 patents. Is that right? Uh, 56 at the last count. Well, who's counting? 56? Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, you know how many I have? None. So that's more than I have and most people listening to this, but we are excited to have Amy on here to talk about really how to create that direct, that first impression inside of your office, which she's really become a master at. And uh, we're just so grateful for all of you listening in and thank you, Amy, for being here as a guest. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Dino. Oh, it's going to be fun. So Amy and I have known each other for gosh, probably five years, six years. I I was going to say, I was going to say about five years, I would say. I don't know if I've told you this yet, Amy. So Amy first was the one who uh, helped me um, make the switch to a Samsung Note uh, (laughs) phone. Because I saw her, we were at dinner and I saw her whip out her phone and write a note with the pen, the stylus. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, what is that? And Mm -hmm. she told me that. But Amy, I have sad, and it really is sad news. About two months ago, I made the switch to an iPhone. Oh, I know. I know. know. And boy, can I tell you, I actually still have my note because it's like, it's just reminds me so much of the good days when I could have a, have an idea and go, Oh, I'm just going to wipe out my note and then write a note about it. Yeah. Basically I was forced to move over to the iPhone because my family and my, uh, my marketing team Mm. hated the way that I was shooting my videos and you could always (laughs) tell quality difference. And so, yeah, I'm still getting used to it. There's still some things where I just get so frustrated about it. But, you know, evolution, I guess. Well, I took nuggets away from the dinner that we got to share that we saw that because I still carry around some of my travel tips from the times we were talking. Oh, about. yeah, that's my right. three-prong plug and my yes. for those curtains when you're in a hotel room. So important, right? Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. People are like, what are they talking about? Well, if you travel, you understand. You understand the plight that you go through when you travel. Well, Amy, uh, before we get into anything, I think and I I truly believe that uh, stories are what connects all of us and how we we do what we do, why we got into the situation that we're in, why we chose the profession we did. That connects all of us, because even though we might have different professions and ideas and definitely backgrounds, there's something that always we can relate to and have some empathy over. So I would love to start off with your story. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this world of consulting and doing what you do? Well, it is a varied story because it is not a direct story. It wasn't somewhere where I intended to be, actually. Yeah, you were supposed to be saluting people right now. Exactly, exactly. You know, so I did, I did go to West Point. But then after a black knees, I ended up getting my engineering degree and, and uh, mechanical engineering, and I anticipated doing that. And so I actually worked at a consulting firm where I designed pipe stress runs for petrochemical piping. 
I'm sorry, what did you say? Big, big, big pipes at high temperatures, basically think braces for piping because we did a lot of the stops and otherwise. So I, I always had this fascination in that space, but it wasn't on my mind. Well, during an economic downturn, they laid all those engineers off and I ended up pregnant with my first child and ended up being a stay-at-home mom, homeschooling mom. And so wow. I thought that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what you think. So I was developing curriculum. I was assimilating curriculum to make it appropriate for. Oh, so you were the homeschool mom who actually built curriculum. You were not the homeschool mom who just was like, so what are we going to learn today? Let's figure no, it out. No, no. I, I, I studied and researched. You Listen, know? before I get any hate mail, I say this as a homeschooling dad. My wife and I homeschooled our kids for three years. So I get it. So I'm not, no haters. Just, just <laughs> You went over and above. I'm calling myself out on this. That's right. That's right. You know, and I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And then when I became a single parent and was told I could not homeschool, then you're like, well, now what am I going to do when I grow up? Mm. But that wasn't when I got to consulting. I actually then went back, got my MBA and ended up working for Bank of America. Oh, wow. Well, that provided some interesting insights when you work for you know, a, a Fortune 100 company. And sure. I actually worked in the area that turned your paper checks into image checks. So going from that transition from a, an analog world to a digital world, and that's where I ended up getting all my patents is in that space and working on cash products. Well, I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. But then uh, my life coach introduced me to this Dr. Don Demas. Hmm. <laughs> Making life coaches, they'll mess it up every time. I know. <laughs> you know, the, the one time she was a matchmaker and, you know, him being an orthodontist, uh, time had me moving into that office and I sat in through each of the roles, even did the TC, which I thought I would never do because that sales was my impression. But I found out I was effective at it because of my mental approach to it, of being yep. a mentor to the person who expressed interest anyway. Love I just it. needed to make it possible. And so I thought, that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And then five years ago this month, I was diagnosed with cancer mm. and went through a horrendous recovery on that, took me completely out. And so I didn't know what I was going to do then, but you sure have a chance to sit back and say, now what, you know, now that I have kind of faced death right in front of me, what am I going to do? Hmm. It was at that point that actually Don encouraged me to look out into that consulting arena, had some unique opportunities and then have been out on my own on there. But I always knew I wanted to be a consultant that empowers people because I had a bad first experience with a consultant. Um, Oh, really? I did. (laughs) Um, Back when I was told that I couldn't homeschool, I had a friend in my church who let me come into her pediatric dental office to Mm. pull charts and file charts. And (laughs) they, she had, they had a consultant there that came in once a year, rotated through the office and asked me, what in the world are you doing? And I said, well, I'm pulling charts and filing charts. And, and she looked at me and said, well, you're kind of old to do that. And I said, oh, oh okay. Oh. And she asked me, what have you been doing in your life? And I said, well, I've been homeschooling my kids and being a stay-at-home mom. And, and she said, well, because of the choices you made in your life, you're never, ever going to make more than $9 an hour in the rest of your life. 
Wow. That was my first exposure to a consultant. And while I didn't think I would ever be a consultant, as I enter this space, I'm like, that is never the way you ever treat anybody um, in that consulting world. So that was my first exposure to a consultant and how I came into this consulting role. Wow, that's crazy. The experience, (laughs) the roller coaster you went through and all the different the, the, the uh, again, experiences that you've had throughout your life have led you to this. And I would believe because of that makes you a lot more um, effective as a consultant, as someone who can actually go in and see, not from the narrow view of this is all you've ever known. You have all this life experience and real life experience, you know, to get to, first of all, thank you for your service. That's so important, right? That you actually went through that. Um, and you learned a ton about discipline, organization, everything there, obviously. Um, I don't even know how to uh, quantify the whole pipe thing, laying whatever that crazy stuff is, because that's, that's a world I don't think like, like the, the linear type of the logical stuff. That's, you can ask my wife, I'm never logical. Um, <laughs> but then the cancer. I was actually just listening to an interview, I think it was yesterday, um, on a quick drive with Kevin Hart. You know who he is? Kevin Hart's a a, a comedian. He's Mm. a really short comedian. He's in the movie Jumanji with uh, Dwayne Wade. So he uh, recently had a car accident, broke his back, almost died, all this stuff. And he was talking about, he goes, it's a really special club. People who face death Mm -hmm. and are lucky enough through the grace of God to not die, but then realize there's a moment where you have that realization of, oh, all of this is an option, mm-hmm. right? Life is an option. My kids being with me is an option. My, the way that I'm doing my business, it's an option because there is another option, which is I'm not here. <laughs> so true. So how did that experience mm strengthen you, give you perspective on what you want to do for the rest of your life? Well, I did work several years ago with my life coach, probably 10 years ago. And she was actually the one who breathed into my life that someday you should be a consultant. And I always thought, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know enough in that space. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who helped me work through a life mission statement. And as I looked back, I could see it always bubbled up. No matter what role I filled, it bubbled up. And my personal mission statement of my life is to uncover truth and make it known for the empowerment of others. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you. It's the way I homeschooled. So I was not the, I wasn't necessarily the fun parent or the other parent, but I always made homeschooling relevant you know, uh, so they would learn life skills so that they were empowered. And so that's, that's, that's how I do my consulting work is it a lot of times doesn't have a lot of fluff and stuff, but it's the empowerment to show why we do what we do and then give you repeatable things. So there's this process, these repeatable actions that you can do over and over again, that is going to instantly improve what your performance on there. And so instead of telling somebody be better, now you have actionable tools that are small, Mm. repeatable actions that you can do over and over again. So powerful. As you see, I put this on my screen here for those of you watching on the uh, YouTube channel, right? Uncover truth for the empowerment of others. 
Mm-hmm. That's and a lot of times, that, that uncovering of truth is a lot of times how we're actually performing mm. and then teaching you how you can change it and then actually taking you to that destination of implementing yeah. what you know. Here's the thing, right? As you know, uncovering truth, excuse me, is not always pretty, <laughs> right? No, and it's it, not. <laughs> it's hurtful. Uh, you know, I'll be completely you know, raw here, I just had a conversation with my son yesterday about, you know, the choices he's making and he's, and he's, you know, he's quit this job and now he's going to this job and he quit this job and going to this job. And as we were talking, I just said, you know, I, I'm saying this a thousand percent out of love. You know, you're 20 years old, you're allowed to screw up a lot of stuff. You're allowed, you got a lot of life ahead of you, hopefully, you know, and um, I just want you to recognize patterns of quitting things when they get hard. Mm. And, you know, he didn't take that very well. He's like, well, you know, you're calling me a quitter. I'm like, no, I'm not calling you a quitter. I'm having you recognize that you're quitting. Mm. And that's not going to be helpful later on in life. I'm sure you have had many moments like that in your own life mm-hmm. where you uncover this truth, whether that be for yourself or for your clients, that it's not easy to look at. Do you have any experience there? Any uh, moments that you can think of where that happened for you? I mean, I can actually think of it personally. Even this week, I had a moment... And in this shutdown period of time, a lot of us have had these uh, unraveling moments. And I, and I had one of those this week that my reaction did not fit the incident. And, mm-hmm. and I just keep, I keep reading and absorbing information. And I came across a new aha that actually that incident was, I had a triggering event. And I couldn't explain it, but as I learned, I could find that there was a, there was probably a cause way back at West Point days where, you know, at at the time when you're at West Point in the first few weeks, it doesn't matter what you do, you're wrong. And, and and that triggering event made me feel that way. But now I'm aware of it and I can actually do something about that. And you either rehearse truths or take other action steps or take a few breaths to realize, okay, this is, this is a, um, an amygdala response as opposed to a prefrontal cortex response yeah. and try to do something about it. From a client perspective, what is really cool to see is as I mirror back what they're actually saying from recordings, they get these ahas and Mm. they start saying, I never realized that I knew what the right answer was and I thought I was doing it, but I'm not. And so now I'm giving them that pause and and tips to make it better. And then as they see that progress, they, they, you start getting that momentum moving forward of, I am something I have value. I am providing a lot to the office. Okay, a couple of things you said that I want to unravel that I think are powerful. Number one, I love that you were able to recognize it that there was a, a we'll use the for lack of a better word, a trauma or an incident from all the way back in West Point. I mean, that was what, 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, 30 years ago this year. 30 years ago, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we have that, right? So we when we think back that far, it's like, oh man, come on, I got over that. It's been past, it's a past three lives ago, right? Three <laughs> incarnations of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, I did an interview recently with um, Ben Hardy, who has a book coming out next month called Personality Isn't Permanent. And what mm-hmm. he talks about and the premise of the book is that um, those personality tests, you know, mm-hmm. that they're, they're really not scientifically based at all, right? Whether it be Briggs-Myers or any of those. And he says, because what it does is it makes you believe you are something. 
And mm. personality isn't as important as identity. And mm. our identity is shaped typically through the experiences in our life. And a lot of people have past trauma that they haven't gotten over that rears his ugly head. Here it is 30 years later mm-hmm. in a moment. And if you don't have the wherewithal like you had, you don't have the, the uh, awareness to recognize what it is, then it can really continually come up over and over and over again. And the other mm-hmm. thing you said that I thought was really powerful was this. Um, I know so many people are afraid of this, but I think, I hope that now in the new era that we're in, there's a recognition and an, and an awakening around the powerfulness of this, which is recording oh. your phone calls, recording your events. And a lot of people I know don't do it because they feel like it's about a gotcha, right? It's about like, mm-hmm. oh, see what you're doing wrong. See you doing this. I record everything I do. Mm-hmm. because then I can go back and I can listen to myself and I can see, did I get my point across? Where did I, I have ADD. So I know I go off on the rails sometimes. Right. So it's like, where did I not make that point clear? Where did I not answer that question? Where was I like, it's an, it's an exercise in uncovering more about me and how I can get better. And that's what you're, your directors of first impressions or receptionist, your, your TC, your doctor can do now that things are more virtual. So I love that you do that. Um, have you been doing this since you started your consulting work? I have, and it is the most powerful thing that we can do. So I, I do it through the phone calls mostly, mm-hmm. but there are occasions people ask me to do it for a TC or a doctor or otherwise. If it's observable, I can coach to it. That's, That's right. the thing. Yes. And, and think about it. Sports teams do it. Yep. What about all the all clips the that we watch? So yes. why are we not doing this? You know, I mean, it, it's a recognized practice. In Toastmasters, we record ourselves because what you think you're doing and what you actually do are not always in sync with each other. And sometimes that's for the better and sometimes it's for the worse. And yep. so you, you, you have this one vision of what you're doing with yourself, but what you're actually doing and the way it comes across is very different. And the one thing that I love using those recordings for, especially for the phone, is that person who's sitting in front of their computer on the phone, especially on a new patient call, and and please do not take those on the computer, they more often than not think, oh, it's moving along, it's moving along, because they're sitting there click, 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 type, 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 but as soon as you take away the visual cues and you are experiencing it, as the caller's experiencing it with no visual cues, which is what a recording provides you, all of a sudden you go, oh, there's a lot of dead time. Oh, oh I, I hear click it. time. Oh, and, I, oh, yeah, I love this. The one, oh, I don't sound like I'm scripted. I've done that script. No, listen to yourself. You sound scripted. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And so that's what, how the power of those recordings, because... Uh, that caller's experience, and we always have to think about their experience, yes. not our experience of it takes, it's longer to take a phone call on the computer. It is less uh, of a natural way of having a conversation. It is, no, it is not of the value to the caller. And they are the ones who are going to be paying for your paycheck. Uh, so got to see. Yeah, I, absolutely, I absolutely agree. I, uh, I actually, okay, so I'm literally in the middle of, I'm almost done, I'm probably about 90% done of writing my next broadcast email that's going out to my, my list. And I'll put it on Facebook too. Um, 
there is someone who I really admire and I like who set, put out a script for like, hey, just remember this is the way that you should be doing scripts. And I was like, oh, interesting. I'm not a fan of scripts. I don't believe in scripts. And the main reason is because most of the people that you hire are not trained actors who yes. know how to make it not sound like a script, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I like templates. I like uh, areas where we can have a lot more freedom. But, and if you're going to use a script, one of the things that I tell people to do is to look at the I's or we's or R's versus the you, mm. right? And a lot of people don't understand how much, how one-sided conversations are, mm -hmm. especially in an enrolling conversation, especially in a conversation where you're trying to get information. It's usually about what we want, what we oh. have, what we'll do, what we, instead yes. of what do you need? What do you have? What do you want? How can I, like that is the key. So it's so yeah. different. And the, and the right. way I teach a new patient phone call is yes, I have some guiding words, mm -hmm. but I talk about uh, buckets of the conversation part. Oh, so smart. that, that, you know, we, we, we have the, you know, the introduction and we have the ex discovery and exploring, and then we have the appointment setting and informing, and then we have the assisting, and then we had the closing. And if you think in these buckets, Oh, the caller took me there. Okay. I'm going to take care of that little aspect and I'm going to meander back to where I need to get something else point across. And then right. you don't think, Oh my goodness, I forgot something. If you think in these buckets of way, and then, that person's personality can come through as opposed to reading a list or saying, you're going to love our doctor. Well, I don't know, as opposed to so right. many of them. How dare you tell me you're, I'm going to love right. it. Or, you're going to, you're going to love your experience. Uh, okay. Like that's pretty, not loving it so far. So <laughs> I love this idea of buckets. Like I immediately think of, um, emotional buckets, right? Like mm -hmm. Shannon and I talk about that a lot about filling each other's emotional buckets or our kids' emotional buckets. And the visualization that you just gave to me was, oh wait, so you're going to this bucket, make sure that bucket's filled. So at the end of the, that initial phone call, that person's buckets are filled, right? Exactly. Every, every part of their worry, their concern, their, uh, th their experience is, has been filled. That's really a cool way of thinking about well, it. Thank you. And the other thing that I also want them to think about, and while I understand your point about personalities, I still bring that into how we especially talk about that first impression. Mm -hmm. Have we built something into each of those buckets that hits you know the four main personality components because you're gonna have i mean dino you and i are opposites on the opposite ends in the personality spectrum i'm the engineer you've done the acting aspect yeah you totally need the different. time to express yourself yep. and then the engineer person needs to know the details mm -hmm. and so we got to make sure that we have an experience that's going to hit on all those and when you when you hit just like when you're talking with somebody and you see their eyes light up you can hear that on the phone when you hear yep. their eyes light up oh i'm going to dig in a little bit more there yeah um, and so when i when i train to that i actually of my five onboarding sessions two of them are built specifically around that new patient call that welcoming call and we practice it and we role play i only role play one-on-one -on -one because right. i i'm in that place of trust and I'll uh -huh. say, okay, cut, do it again. Let's do it again. Um, because it's so important for them to feel fluid yep. yet structured. 
So it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, um, a customized experience that is a structured experience as well. Yeah, I love it. I, I love it because, um, like you said, you need to have that game tape to listen to and then go back and role playing it and say, okay, let's practice this. Let's make this part of our muscle memory mm-hmm. so that it's, it flows easy. So that's not like, oh, now I'm doing a choreographed dance, step one, step two, step three, right? Like I'm a dancer. I love <laughs> having counts of eights. That's my thing, <laughs> right? When I turned to trying to play in the piano, it's way difficult, more difficult because it's counts of four and I want to go to eight, right? But once you get it down, you're no longer accounting it in your head. It's just, it's like, oh, I'm hitting, I'm hearing the rhythm of the music, mm-hmm. just like you would hear the rhythm of the conversation. Yeah. And one area of that is when we talk about what they're going to expect, which is someone like what I need to know, what I find is when it's unplanned, they meander. You remember the, the Billy in the yes. family circus uh, cartoons? Yes. You send Billy out to do something. He's you know, out of the and, yep. and he's all, all over the place. Yep. If, if, now this is a big if, if um, that front desk scheduling coordinator or the director of first impression even says anything, and a lot of them don't even say anything about it, they tend to go all over. Yep. And instead of it being like, ba-da-da-da-da-da, they're like, it's like, you know, they're all over the place. And so that's what we practice is, I want it in your words, but we got to hit these points. And so that's what we got to practice. So it sounds natural. So important. It's so mm-hmm. important. And I, I just think that the, that idea of, um, I call them, I call them frameworks, right? You have the framework mm-hmm. here. I'm going for this step, 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 step. And I'll, I usually use like a, uh, some sort of, you know, teach, tailor, take control, everything with the T. So I know what's happening inside of that framework. Um, and I think that really valuable, uh, one of the really valuable things you just said about like the personality thing isn't a matter of not seeing that people have personalities, but to recognizing what's their learning style. What is their way of hearing, getting information and data? That's so crucial. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you can, that's why there needs to be almost a chameleon, like I call them phone ninjas, right? Mm-hmm. But even a chameleon who can, with every person know it can't be the same experience. And that's what I love about the recording aspect is they've got to hear themselves have a different personality, a different approach, a different conversation with each and every person. And if not, they're failing. Exactly, exactly. And I say communication, every one of us is different, but communication is when we make the connection point. And so when I teach and train, I talk about this, we have some personalities that are, are the fast moving, like those fighter jet pilots. Yes. And then we have some of those personalities that are, are the nurturing and they're the refueling tank. Well, if we have to do a mid air fueling, this one has to slow down and that doesn't feel so good. And this one needs to speed up and that doesn't feel so good, but it's necessary for the transfer of information, for the communication. Once we're successful in that, ah, we can go back into our more natural ways. And so that's all what communication is. We're all different, but we have to learn how to come together to make the point and the transfer. That's great. I love that analogy. That's awesome. You know, I feel bad. We didn't even, uh, we just got so into conversation. We didn't even talk about the topic of this, which hopefully <laughs> everybody gets, is that we're talking about that first impression and, and making sure that you are creating an experience for people. And I believe that there will be a time, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, because I believe there will be a time in the near future that someone will come up with a way 
to where when somebody goes on people's websites, you know, right now you can do the chat boxes mm -hmm. where it's like uh, you go to a website and it's like, hey, how can I help you? And you know, it's somebody in, you know, some dank room is answering questions for you, right? Right. But there will be a time where that will be a video where they'll say, hey, check this box if you approve for us to pop up and talk to you. Mm -hmm. And you might not see both ways, but you're at least going to see that person and making sure that your communication when it comes to visual is so important. I know so many people talk about make sure you're smiling when you yes. talk. That's true. Love it. Totally agree. And I bet when you hear that recording back, you'll be able to hear the times where you're not smiling. You might smile at the beginning, but it's like wanes off, right? Oh, absolutely. All the time. Because our voice that. characteristics display what's going on yep. on here. So it's, it's so true. So true. Okay. So what are some of the bigger mistakes that you see when you are going into offices um, that aren't necessarily things that people would normally think about, like the obvious, like, well, of course, you know, you got to have a, a friendly person on the other end of the phone. But what are some mistakes that you're seeing people inside their office that can make it small things that can make a huge difference? Here's one that when, whenever I'm either on a podcast or otherwise, it's, it's the, the freebie that is so easy. And if you only do this, it will be huge. So when you start a phone call, all right, and you've done your greeting and we've got our greeting down. You know, thank you for calling, da, 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 da. This is Amy, how may I help you? The caller tells you why they're calling. Mm -hmm. The very next thing I want you to say is to say, I would be happy to help you. I want you to put an emotion word in there. As uh -huh. opposed to, think about when you call your doctor's office, you're almost trained to do this. I call my doctor's office and I say, good afternoon, this is Amy and my date of birth is da, 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 da because because the person who usually answers the phone do you know you'll say i need to schedule my appointment or reschedule okay what's your name yeah what's your name and that kind yep. of thing mm -hmm. we are so conditioned to that to be the situation normal that we are in a zombie zone in a numb zone mm -hmm. this is an opportunity ripe for setting an amazing first impression to shake them oh. out of their zone and surprise them in a positive way so let's take this uncommon courtesy and make it common. Mm -hmm. So when they say, I need to do this, I would be happy to help you. May I have your name? That is huge. And then at the end of the call, I call that our first response. It's, it's not that creative. I'm an engineer, you know? And then at the end of the call, we're going to do the same thing, a last response, which more people do. And that's, you know, have a good day, have a good weekend, and make mm -hmm. sure you keep that voice inflection upwards, not have a good day on here. Yes. So here's the interesting thing, Dino, is I start coaching after we've done training. So I've already told them about that. Okay. Not a single person, when I listen to their first coaching, and I don't listen to any recordings until after I've taught, ever does it. Wow. They think they are, but they are not. Yep. And this is what is so important and the way I, the, the reason I say it's so important. I'll use it from an example of my life. Have you ever received a gift where somebody has handed it to you in the Walmart or Target bag that they bought it in? Yeah, I have actually. And that's uh, so exciting. Yeah, it is. Okay. How different is that? Yeah. that? yeah, I know. My brother does it. It's almost his How much, do, I, how much do you care about me right now? <laughs> how different is that than the person who wraps it and puts it in a bow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It could be the identical gift. Maybe even they bought you the same thing. Yeah. But it was the care in which you wrapped that gift. Yeah. 
And I say that first and last response, even, even if we changed absolutely nothing in the middle of the conversation is you've wrapped it in politeness. And so that is something that if you have a clinical person who, who grabs the phone at the last minute, you know, they may not know the exact words I should say, but if everybody will put that first response, I would be happy to help you, or I can certainly help you, some kind of adverb there, yes. and end the call, have a great day, or something personal, you have taken that conversation, no matter what was in the middle, and wrapped it in a bow. No, so I that would it. be my one secret, and, that, and, and it's, a bit, it's amazing, people know it, but they don't actually do it. If you can do that, you will elevate it. And when I told my brother-in-law who has a a child who has a lot of medical needs and I Uh said, I'm going to teach that, he went, his jaw dropped and he said, if I ever heard that out of an office, I'd be floored and I would be with them for life because I, in all his years, have never heard an office say that. Well, and that's the that's really the main point, right? Is uh, I tell people all the time, uh, my my teams, I said, look, I want to ruin you. <laughs> I want to ruin you as an employee. That if you have to leave this office, that you'll always think back to this office as the bar that you're set. Well, I want you to ruin your patients as well. I want you to ruin your clients to where when they called you, they got a different experience than what they're used to, and then now they're gonna have you as the bar to mm-hmm. everything else. It's like, well, they were nice, but they weren't like Dima's orthodontics, right? Like, like that's the experience. Exactly. You know, and, and in, in this place where everyone's going to multiple opinions, I want to keep you in the game. Yes. I, I want them to, even if you're first, second or third, you know, let's say you're third, when they go to the other ones, they're like, well, that was nice. And I might say yes, but mm-hmm. if that yep. first phone call was that good, what else is it going to be like when I get I, there? I 100% agree. And I think people pay more for that. I think people uh, remember that more. They want to mm-hmm. tell their friends and family about it more. It's, it's just, it, I, it's funny because it is common sense, but it's not always common practice. Exactly. I know there are probably doctors listening to this right now going like, well, of course that, of course, of course. And, you know, that's what I tell my team all the time. And I know my girls are, they're amazing at this, but you don't know until you know. And exactly. most people don't know because they're not recording their calls. They're not going out and actually looking at them and they're doing, and they're not doing it because they're just not putting the focus on it. And everybody knows it's common knowledge, just not common practice. It, it, it's so true. It, I like to say none of this is rocket science, right? But it, it it's kind of like you, you see books behind me. I mean, I read a lot, but how many diet books are out there? We totally. know what we're supposed to do, but how yeah. much do we do them? Yeah. And that's that's my that's my special gifting is what I would like to say yeah. is being able to provide that feedback in a trust zone. Yes, in Toastmasters, I've, I've been an award-winning evaluator of speeches, so it, mm-hmm. it really has served me well in that space. But I, I, you know, I'm a God girl, and I just feel God has gifted me in that way of, of that feedback loop that helps on there yep. and, in, and inspires them to greatness. Um, you know, I've had doctors say, you have saved many people their job and their career. Wow, that's so power- empowering. It is amazing. And to me, when I see light bulbs go off for people, it... it it, it excites me in no other way. So, and it, but it takes a lot of time. When I get ready to coach, I listen to an hour's worth of phone mm-hmm. calls for every person I'm coaching. Wow. So I realize it would take a lot of time. But the other gift that I bring is I'm that third party person, that person who stands outside of the office shenanigans, 
drama, emotion, whatever you want to say. Yep. And, and, and you and I have talked, Dino, I'm, I'm the Aunt Amy who can come. And when yeah. I say it, somehow it comes across differently. Totally. And when it's said by somebody in the office, it, yeah. does, it could be the exact same words. And you may feel like, oh, why do I have to do that? Instead of being glad that there's someone who just gets it accomplished, yep. you know, because <laughs> sometimes, totally. Dino, you're going to be the Uncle Dino for somebody I that I'm- Favorite Uncle Dino. That's right. I tell people all the time, I'm going to come and be favorite Uncle Dino. <laughs> and people say it. And uh, I had an office once uh, down in uh, Texas. I, I actually had never done any personal coaching with them. They had gone through my online course. Mm. And I was at the PCSO in Hawaii last year. And I had this whole group of girls come up like, oh my gosh, it's Dino and, oh, and, that, and whatever and we're talking. And I'm like, I have no idea. And I'm thinking, did I forget that I went to their office? I don't recognize any of these girls whatsoever. And they're like, no, 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 we watch all of your videos. And in our office, we have a thing, WWDD. I'm like, oh. they're like, what would Dino do? And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And, but that's what happens, right? When you have that outside perspective, when you can come in, like you just said, about being that person who's not in the jar they're in every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the perspective that I love people who go into offices and they know every single part of the office because they've worked it, they've been a clinician, they've done everything. That's awesome. My USP, if you will, is the fact that I'm not in that jar, that Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it purely as a business standpoint and going, okay, so that way I can say to the team members, well, business-wise, let's look at this, how you have to look at this business owner. As a business owner, I can say, as a business owner, we get to look at this like a team member would look like because I get to play all those roles. But I agree with you. I think it's so important for you to do that. When you are going in these offices and you are um, sharing this information with them, you Mm -hmm. mentioned that there's a couple of, like you you do a coaching program first and then Mm. there's a evaluation follow-up or how does that work? So great question on there. So my delivery of the initial training can be remote training or it can be on-site. So I give, I give the options on there. On-site is a great way to have a full day and it has team building involved and and, and a great cohesion for the team. Whereas the on-site is shorter. It's easier to put on your calendar, more directed to those who are going to have the follow-up. That's phase one. And I call it, that's what I'm putting your tools in your toolbox. I'm just filling your your toolbox with tools. After that point, I move on to phase two and that's the coaching. So for those who are, it's the implementation phase. For those who are moving forward in coaching, usually the front desk individuals, it's five sessions and they come about every two or three weeks. So it's enough time to practice and start implementing, but not so far that we lose momentum. And have that accountability with you so they know, oh my gosh, I got to get this assignment done or get this practice in before we meet with Amy in two weeks. Exactly. And I have have an online academy that they get their lessons from and they can always refer back to. And then when I coach with them, it's a half hour period of time. And then I write up follow-up notes that go to the individual and it has their recording clips and it also goes to the doctor. So there's a lot of great transparency in that. And if we have an individual, so I've had some offices who say, um, can you also coach my clinician who's on the phone on Fridays? And a lot of times I will do that across three sessions because Mm -hmm. they're not taking as many new patient calls, but I want them empowered, especially how to open and close calls, how to set appointments and how to handle an upset caller. That, you know, the 80-20 rule, it's going to cover 80% of what you're going to do on the phone. And And it's enough, but not an overabundance. 
that's all phase two. So you're going to see results change within three months. Wow, that's great. And then, at, um, then I check back in again at month six and nine. And it's, I call it a maintenance phase on their accountability. And the reason is for this. When I'm there talking with you every two, three weeks, it's good to have that top of mind awareness on that. But as soon as it's almost like taking the training wheels off when I step back and it's like, okay, I'm not going to be watching over your shoulder all the time. What's going to happen now? Mm -hmm. Are you going to sustain that? Because human right. old habits pull back or how are you going to perform after you go through a natural stress cycle? Whether that's summer, January, everybody has new insurance somebody on maternity <laughs> leave, somebody out sick, because we know stress impacts performance and it can't help but impact it, but will you rebound if it impacted it? And right. so that's what month six and nine are for. What I find is at month six, 85, 90% of what we've learned will maintain. Maybe some of the last habits might have a little dip, but a gentle reminder there tends to bring it back up as opposed to letting that, that natural entropy occur yes. and then you're like well that wasn't worth it yeah uh, totally. you know so uh, better to do it check back in um and and then i have some offices who say just a couple times a year we check back in uh, mm -hmm. on there but that is on a case-by-case -case basis so we're talking a nine-month program that's awesome um let me ask you a question around um and then we'll get to our our rapid fire questions is that sure. i wanted to know Right now, here we are, we're recording this, not completely post-COVID, but getting there, like more and more offices are opening and there's uh, some, some, some uh, relief there, which is great. What would you say would be the most important area that these offices need to focus on when it comes to that first impression right now, especially with a lot of offices going virtual, uh, a lot of offices who are experiencing for themselves a new era of business ownership. Mm -hmm. We have to know how to ask the right questions. Mm. We have to, that discovery process mm -hmm. has to be in a way that we're asking the right questions, but not sound like an interrogation. Yes. So it's, it's uncovering how to have natural conversation to pick up on some cues to then know what the next branching question is. And so that is really using profound listening skills that we're not natural at, mm. especially when you have the clinician saying, is so-and-so here, is so-and-so here? And the doctor's right. asking you a question. Or and you're so, behind time and oh schedule. Oh my yeah. Yeah. goodness. So we need to really hone in on our listening skills and our asking of question skills. Mm. And that's gonna help us know how to um, funnel or, or navigate that person in the experience that is best for them uh, mm. in, in what they want. I kind of agree more. I think that right now, one of the dangers is that people are so eager to get back to quote normal or to get back to their production ramping up again. That is gonna be real easy to let some very important things, but things you're not always thinking about slide. Like you might be in the place of just going, hey, man, we just want people to answer the phones. We need a warm body, let alone and a ninja. And, you know, we probably don't have time to get into this too much. But, you know, we talked about before on the pre-call about how I'm a big fan of, I think this position, the director of first impressions, because they are a part of the sales team, I do a, a pyramid for every business. And people have probably seen that before, that there's only two positions in any business. It's sales and sales support. 
<laughs> and when I usually ask about who they think, who is on the sales team, you'll usually get a TC who will raise their hand and sometimes a doctor and hardly ever you'll get that receptionist, that director of first impressions. And I always say, no, you're the first part of sales. You're the first thing they see here, experience. You better be on that sales team. What do you think about uh, pay in the sense of like, I just think that that person should be, we want to expect more output from them. So therefore we pay them more. And have you seen where people just kind of just get a warm body? Hey, do they sound good on the phone? Cool. That's a nominal, a minimal job. We pay them less. A lot of times it's thought of as an entry level job. There you go. Yes. And it really, it truly can be a career if we yes. would treat it like that. And unfortunately, front desk individuals are usually said, well, that's how you take the phone on and off hold. Uh, just go do it. Right. And they haven't been provided training. They haven't been empowered in there. Yes. And so you need to empower them. And um, there's been a few times Don has had to go in while we were shut down and answer the phones and maybe return a few phone calls. And he's like, get me out of here. <laughs> you know, don't yeah. ever put me there. But the thing he doesn't even realize though is doctors, you may think, how hard could that be to answer a phone call? But what you don't realize is your patients will always treat you differently than that yep. front desk person because you have DR in front of your name. Yep. It is a hard job. And it is more than, than putting round pegs into round holes. Um, they are multitasking all over the time and they are on. Uh, I actually show a chart when I'm training. You, you doctors, you talk to, if you say X is the number of patients you see a day, let's use 100 as an example for easy math. You're probably seeing 90 to 100 of them because maybe a person comes in for a retainer check and they walk in and out of the door. Right. Your clinicians, depending on how many you have, are seeing probably half to maybe 20% sure. of the people who walk in the door. Your right. TC in the column is maybe seeing five, 10%. Such but a good point. your front desk person, when they come in, when they go out, when they set an appointment and the phone calls, they are seeing 400 to 500% more than anybody else in the office. And every one of those is an impression, whether it's a first, second or other impression. And they are shaping how people associate your practice to be. And so they need to be the highest trained individuals of the office. That is a really excellent point. And I hope that you that are listening to this or watching on YouTube really take that into consideration because it's, it, it, think about it. This is the person who's not only in charge of being the face of your business, but also the person who's in charge of your schedule. You know, how often do you hear the <laughs> The, the clinic upset about how the front desk scheduled things and they did this wrong or that or whatever. It's like, well, let's get high skilled, high level, high appreciated people mm -hmm. in that position so that it can make the rest of it run smooth. It's like you're trying to run a race here and you're up against all these Ferraris and you're driving a Honda. It's a good car, but it's not going to win you the race. Exactly. So, and I would encourage you, you, empowering those people makes a huge difference. Yes. Uh, even on my website, you can hear some before and afters of, of some of that. Even how we offer appointments. I've had what I say, some mousy girls. They're just like, oh, please take an appointment or, you know, and, and now we've turned them into those who have a backbone. Mm -hmm. They are still the most polite people, but now they're guiding and, and they are actually, I call them air traffic control. You know, air traffic control, a pilot 
would not dare tell the air traffic control, hey, I see a space in there. I'm just coming in there. Yeah, just going to do that's it. that's the way our, our front desk team did get pushed around. Yeah. And, you know, air traffic control says, pilot, you can come in here or you're circling around and coming back here. Which one do you want? <laughs> I love that idea. Like, think about that. And I know for some doctors or people listening, it might push a button. But think about that. If you had hired so correctly that when you tried to do something like that, where you're like, well, just push him and put him in that, that spot that they turned to you because they understood the importance of their job and the coordinating and choreography that mm-hmm. has to happen for what they do, that they would turn to you and say like, no, I'm not putting them in there because they need to go here. No, we're not doing that because it, like you want someone who will direct, you know, yes. director of first impressions, direct yes. the entire operation. You know what's interesting, Dino, and here one time I had some office team members before I started doing this skill, they we'll just put them in there, we'll squeeze them in there. And one time when I went back and looked at the metrics aspect of their arrival time and departure time, mm. you can't cheat the choreography of the doctor. And the doctor is, mm. is it, it, you know, the, the linchpin in all this because there's only one doctor for all the other team members. You cannot cheat that doctor time. And what I found is those people arrived earlier at the more convenient times, but their departure time was as if they had scheduled them correctly. But instead, they hung, had to hung, hang around the office for an extra 30, 40, 50 minutes because we were thinking we were doing them a favor on their arrival time, but you can't cheat to the departure time. And so. how annoying is that as a patient? Like you're mm-hmm. like, come on. Uh, yeah, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I know that everybody got a ton of great value out of this conversation. And I hope you took some notes. I hope you took a lot of it to heart too about how important it is for you to really look at how you're making that first impression when people call into you. So Amy, thank you so much mm. for all of your amazing wisdom. We have gotten to the place to where we do our rapid fire six questions. These are a quick, you know, you just answer them <laughs> off top of your head. It doesn't have to be, you know, you, we don't have to get your dissertation. I know you like to do a dissertation, but you can't. Now. I know we don't need you to fill out a patent. Uh, we didn't even talk about the 50 of patents, but when you get into that, uh, just, just a rapid fire. You ready to play? Yes, go for it. All right. Uh, what is the most expensive thing that you believe private practice owners are missing in their practice? Most expensive thing. Good counsel. Oh, nice. So true, right? Mm-hmm. Outside perspective. So true. What is a book that every private practice owner should be reading? The Power of Moments. The Power of Moments. You know who that's by? Chip and, uh, Chip and Dan Heath, the Heath brothers. Chip and Dan Heath. Okay, we will put that in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in my book, The Practice Rx, I focus a lot on team culture and team performance as the foundation of business growth. What do you see? You go into a lot of practices. You get that outside perspective. What do you see as the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing with their teams and their office culture? I think it is the communication and cohesiveness so that the experience is the same throughout and not gruff in one area and push over in another area. That's so true, right? That through line to make sure that it's all the way through. Okay, so I'm gonna throw this up on the screen for people who are watching, but as people are listening, please tell everybody how they can connect with you and uh, what are the different ways that they can uh, reach out to you. 
So I, as you see the email going across, I have social media across Facebook, LinkedIn, and otherwise, either through Communicate Excellence or Amy Demas. I also have a book that you can find on Amazon or other places under the same name, Communicate Excellence, which you can find lots of tips as well. So your book is on Amazon. It's available on Amazon, both Kindle and hardcover? Yeah, it is. On Kin uh, yes, it is on both Kindle and hardcover. Okay. Great. So Communicate Excellence is the name of the book. And then it's uh, amy at communicateexcellence.com. For that those of you that are listening. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. Uh, next question is, what's the best advice that you've ever received in life or in business? Wow. Take a breath. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's true. Mm -hmm. Take a breath. That's a really... You know what? That's the shortest piece of advice that we've ever got on the show. And it's probably one of the most profound, <laughs> like even just right now, what we just went through with the COVID, right? Take a breath. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the world. It really isn't. It's not the end of your business. Wow. That's really cool. Thank you for that. Uh, what's the best resource or tool that every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice? To grow their practice. Hmm. Because I can think of so many different tools. I would like us to see how we can find tools that enhance our practice management system so that we can avoid errors. And because there's so many, I'm not going to pick one, but I want to see those complementary features so that we are more systematic in the things that could break or get missed. That's really good. I love it. Well, Amy, again, just tons of value, tons of information. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us, sharing your expertise. And everyone, please reach out to Amy at amy at communicateexcellence.com. Follow her on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, she's very active there. Go get her book. Like, go buy a book and use it as your manual inside of your office. Like, this is so, so important. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dino. I really appreciate it. It was great. Everyone, thank you for being here again for another episode of the Practice, uh, Practice Rx. That's my book, sorry, uh, for the Propreneur podcast. Uh, you know, our goal always is to help bring the best practices possible to you. And remember, if you enjoyed what you heard today, share it with a colleague or a friend to help them also learn the best practices they can. And always remember that our goal here is to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.